0: I'm so glad that you're here today and you may be up there like, man, who is that handsome devil up there talking to us? And so in case you don't know, maybe this might help you. Does this help you? Because this is what I wear every Sunday now for the past three months. I work with your kids and River Kids, so this may help you. they oh, yes, that's him. So in case you're wondering, this is me. Anyway, I just wanted to, um, right quick before we get started, we'll make a few announcements. So one announcement is our marriage retreat. We started our marriage retreat about three years ago, and we had a blast. We have a great time, and it's not a lot of teaching. There are some teaching there, but it is an opportunity for you to get to know other people in our church. And so if you're interested in going on our marriage retreat, if you want to get to know other people that that come to church here, that is a great opportunity to do that. And so on your connection card, just fill it out and then put an M on there, and that lets us know that you'd be interested in going on the marriage retreat with us. So you got it? Anybody here been on the Merger Street before? A few of you having stuff, you have a good time? It's a blast. So that's a great opportunity for you, to, for you to do that. So before I get started, I want you to know that I am excited to be speaking with you today. I'm kind of nervous, but I'm excited. I'm excited to be sharing with you with what God has laid on my heart. And what I'm sharing with you today about is not something that just came about this week, but it has been a long process for me in my life. Before I came on staff here at Rocky River Church, I made a huge financial decision that turned out to be a flop. And it cost me and my wife thousands of dollars that we'll be paying off for years. And it's because I didn't have the right perspective of of money. It's because I didn't have the right perspective of money. And so I thought, like, oh yeah, I could do this, you know, I could we could make money and we could do good and we could get rich quick. You see those Carlton sheets. Commercials late at night when you can't sleep, Those infomercials and stuff. And so that's what what I did. And so now we're paying the price for it because of our debt and me not having the right perspective of money. And there are two issues I feel that the church as a whole struggle with. The church across America, not just Rocky River Church, but the church across America struggle with. And I think that's money, and I think that's sex. And I think these are the number two reasons why people get divorced is because of money and because of sex. Because the church does not do a great job in teaching this. And so it's difficult for me. I want to be up here and be apologetic. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this is what the Word of God says. You know, I apologize, but you know, God talks about money a lot in the Bible. And I'm sorry, but God's not apologetic. God has our best interest in mind. And so I'm not going to be apologetic about what the Word of God says. Even though it's my nature to I'm not. Because I know in the 80s, how many of you agree the 80s has the best music? Woo-hoo, yeah. But also at the 80s, we saw church scandal after church scandal after church scandal. Dealing with sex and dealing with money. And I believe that's why it's difficult for the church to talk about either one because it seems as though they have lost credibility in this topic and so today i'm not going to be apologetic i'm going to tell you what the word of god says because more than any other issue in the bible god talks about money more than salvation more than heaven more than hell and more than sin god talks about money in his bible and so the way that we look at money we see jesus talking about money in the new testament with the parable of the talents. With the, where the uh, guy received money from his boss and they divided it up and he sat on his money and he didn't prosper with his money. We see God talking about it all the time. And so what I want to do today is give us a right attitude about money. Money has eternal implications. Money has implications that last forever. And so we need to have a right understanding about money. So I'm going to teach about money today, and I'll let Jimmy teach about sex some other time. That's not good. Does that work? Cool, because that's what I want to do. Anyway, before we get started, let's pray. I'm going to dive head in. So if you would, let's take a moment and pray. God, you're an awesome God. And I thank you for the opportunity to speak today. I pray that you help me calm my nerves, that I can speak with love, that I also can speak with the authority of your word. Help me to speak clearly what you have placed on my heart. I pray for everyone in here that will be open to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My first point, you got your sermon notes in your bulletin, and I want to not fly through this, but there are some things in there. We hope you take good notes. I've got uh, several points I want to bring out to you. And the first point that I have, we need a right attitude about money. We need a right attitude about money. What I said earlier, you know, I, talk with, I help with the River Kids and stuff. And what I always do in the River Kids, you hear them yelling and screaming over there. It's so that we can have fun and get excited about God's word and stuff. And one of the things that we do in River Kids is that we have a skit. And so I need some help. I need two people to help me with a skit. Can I get two people to help me? Jeff, can you help me? Scott, can you help me? Cool. Glenn, I was told that Jimmy uses you all the time, and I can't use you today. Okay, very good. Come on up here, Scott and Jeff. This is Scott. If you don't know Scott, he's awesome. This is Jeff. If you don't know Jeff, Jeff's awesome. Today, Scott will be playing the role of average Joe. Scott is going to be average Joe, and he's going to stand right here. You see, when we do these skits, I always help the kids with their hand motions and stuff. I'm not going to do that so much up here today because it doesn't look right with a man doing that with another man. We're not that kind of church. Does that relieve you, Jeff? Okay, good. Jeff is going to play the part of Mr. Banker. Now, Average Joe here, Scott, represents all of us. Average Joe represents you and I, represents everybody in this church. Now, Average Joe, he works hard. He works hard for his money. He works so hard for his money, so you better treat him right. Donna Summers, that's not in the Bible. But he worked, <coughs> he worked hard for $1,000. I know this is, this is my son's play money, but um, we're going to pretend that this is a $1,000 right there. So the average Joe, he works hard for his money. He labors. He gives his blood, sweat, and tears into his money. He pays his taxes. He does everything he can to earn $1,000. And so when he gets $1,000, he gets excited, and he takes it to the bank. Come over here, Average Joe. And you go up to Mr. Banker. And, he, and so, you see how willing Mr. Banker was taking that money? So we get Mr. Banker. <laughs> and so we get Mr. Banker. He gives them the file out of the paperwork. They sign the paperwork. They do everything they have. And Average Joe hands it to Mr. Banker. What they just did was create a judiciary contract, a judiciary contract agreement that the average joe is going to give his money to mr Baker and mr Baker is going to manage his money properly We're going to put it uh in, in let's say a safe deposit box to hold on to that money to make sure that nothing happens to that money well the average joe goes back home he does his thing then after a couple of months mrs average jane that's the wife of average joe Average Jane says, it's time, it's time. And Average Joe goes, for what? For what? What do you mean it's time for? And Average Jane says, it's time for that new bedroom suit and those throw pillows that we never use. And so Average goes, what? What do you mean? What do you mean we need a new bedroom suit and throw pillows that we never use? We need a flat screen LCD TV. We've had that for 20 years. It works, that bedroom suit does. But being the good husband that he is, he agrees and does what the wife wants. So he goes, he goes to the bank to withdraw his $1,000. He goes up to the teller. Wait a minute, Not yet. Don't get too excited. He goes, up to the, he goes up to the teller and says, I would like to withdraw my $1,000. And the teller goes, oh, you're here. Now, you know, that's not a good sign when you do that, when you go up to the bank and the teller goes, oh, you're here. Well, that's what happened. And so the teller says, just follow me. Let's going to talk to Mr. Banker. And so Mr. Banker walks, Mr., what's your name? Average Joe. average Joe walks in to talk to Mr. Banker. And so I'm here to withdraw my $1,000. And so average Mr. Banker goes, "Um, interesting, I'm glad you're here today. I got something to tell you. And so Mr. Banker starts to sweat a little bit. That $1,000 that you left with us a few months ago, well, my wife, she needed a new china cabinet for the lake house. We, we also needed more furniture for the lake house. And my sons, I got, I got two sons, and, and they can't share real well, so I got to get another jet ski for them. So we have two jet skis. You know, And so we, we, just, we just had to use your $1,000. And so average Joe here, if he's under 35, he begins looking for the MTV crew to see if he's been punked. If he's over 35, he begins to smile thinking he's on candid camera. But he realizes that he's not. And so when he realizes that this has actually happened, he begins to get mad. He begins to get frustrated and angry like we all would because that's the money that he has worked hard for. And so he begins to get frustrated. We would all get frustrated. We would all get mad. And I would hate to think what I would do in that situation. But what we need to do here is look at this a little bit differently. You see, Mr. Banker, I don't choke you, Jeff, represents you and I. Average Joe represents God. You see, we're in the position, don't get the big head. See, we're in the position of our relationship with God is similar to our relationship with the banker. Give these guys a hand. Thank you, guys. I' twist it up there. But the biggest issue with us dealing with money is understanding our relationship, understanding our relationship with God, because it's easy for us to forget about that relationship. The Bible says that God owns it all, not part, not half, but all. When we come in on Sunday mornings, God owns it all. And it's easy for us just to give a tenth, to give 10%. It's easy for us to give a love offering. It's easy for us to give just what's ever in our pocket to God, and that's it. But what we need is to have a right attitude about money. What we need is to understand who we are in our relationship with the Lord. And your your point A under the first point is you and I are just asset managers for the Lord. You and I are just asset managers for the Lord. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. Everything that I've got. Everything that's in my house is the Lord's. When I die, it's not going with me. It's the Lord's. So what I need to do is start readjusting my thinking and understand that everything that I have, I got because of God. God. And so that's where we need to under understand our thinking. B, a steward is a manager, not a owner. A steward is a manager and not an owner. Now in our culture, we have lost the meaning of steward. I go on Facebook a lot. I like to get we've grown a lot over the past year here at Rocky River Church. And so Facebook is a great tool for me to start putting names and faces together so I do that quite a bit. And also, I like to get to know people a little bit better. And so when you click on the about or on the info, you go through and you see where they grew up at, where they live at and what they do. You also, you see their occupation. I have not one time seen steward as an occupation. But when the old, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, not the Old Testament, but in Old England, when the Bible was translated, the word steward was used a lot when it was translated from into the common language into the language that everyone spoke because at one time not everybody had access to the bible because they couldn't understand it they'd have to go to the priest at the time and the priest would interpret for you and so mark gutenberg you ever heard of the gutenberg press and stuff he invented the gutenberg press so the bible can be translated into the common language and so this was during the time everybody seen braveheart anybody love braveheart is that one of your top 10 movies that's where Mel Gibson is portraying William Wallace. He's got that face paint. He's riding in front of the army. He said, do you want to die as free men or live as slaves? And everybody's going, we want to die. We want to die. And everybody's getting all excited and pumped up. and They're ready to go to war and stuff. This happened about 1611. This is when this, all this started taking place. This is when the Bible was translated into the common language. And so during that time, the common language, they used steward. You knew exactly what the word steward meant. You were a steward of this. And you were a steward of that. Stewardship, stewardship, stewardship was a basic word with a basic understanding. And so what stewardship was, during this time, you had castles. You know Robin Hood? You ever seen the movie Robin Hood? and had all these castles and stuff. Well, the castle, they lived a noble. A noble owned the castle. He also owned a realm. And a realm was a lot of land that's about the size of Cabarrus County. Very rarely was it smaller. It was most times bigger than Cabarrus County, but they owned the realm. And so the noble owned the realm. And inside that realm, there was businesses, business transactions that happened. Um, the steward would also take care of the, of the crop rotations of when to plant what, where to plant what. what. He also took care of the peasant labor, you know, the people who did the stuff, who worked. And he took care of the banking. He took care of the merchant transaction. He ran the realm. And he lived in the second nicest home in the realm. But the thing was, the steward was not the owner. The noble was the owner. The steward functioned and did things for the owner. He made the decisions and ran the realm. And so that's what we need to look at our relationship as. A steward is a manager, not an owner. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same to one another as good stewards of faith, of, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So understand that we're not owners. We are just stewards with what God has given us to use it for his purpose, to use it for his glory. Now, don't misunderstand me here that I'm not saying that we need to not have nice things because that's not the case at all. We just have to be good with the understanding of our money and what we do with our money. Number two, instructions on giving. The Bible says to give a tenth. The Hebrew word is a tithe. Leviticus 2730 says a tithe is everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, you see, my name is Donnie Eisenhower. And I like stuff. I like stuff. You could ask my wife. You could look in my garage because I can't park my cars in the garage because I got stuff. You could look in my office because my office is full of stuff. I've got a side job where I go into these four close homes when the bank takes them over. And I'll go in there and I'll give a price to the bank to clean them out. And man, just about every house I walk into, there's something that I want. And there's something that I feel that I need. Although I don't need 400 yards of coaxial cable. Although I feel that I will at one point. And so I struggle with wanting stuff. But also, not just free stuff. If you offered me something, I would probably take it. But not just free stuff, I want stuff that plugs into the wall with electronics and stuff. And so I need to have a right understanding about money and where the things come from and how to honor God and what to do with God. I need instruction on how to have my relationship with God and how to give. And this is where we get it, you know, Leviticus 27.3. When this scripture was written, the children of Israel, they were agrarian society. They were farmers. They had crops. They had cattle, they had grain, they had sheep. So that was their primary source of income. And they worked hard, they labored hard, they did you know, what they could. This was their business, was working the land. And so the product they would get from the land, they would take it back and honor God with their product, with whatever it was. Our society today is a little bit different. Most of us are not farmers, most of us don't work in agriculture, A lot of us, we work with our hands. We do, we got skilled labor. We, you know, go to work. We work in an office. So we got a different type of of avenue of income. But the income, 10% of what comes in, goes back to the Lord. The Bible says to give from the first fruits, meaning off the top. That's point B. The Bible says to give the first fruits, meaning off the top. Proverbs 30. 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of your crop. 22 times in the book of Proverbs, it says first fruit. First fruit, 22 times. Solomon is the author of Proverbs. The Bible describes him as the richest man who ever lived. Described him as the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon was so rich that he ate off plates of gold. They didn't, when they finished washing, they had polished the gold. That's how wealthy Solomon was. And so Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs and 22 times off the first fruits. 22 times he describes that whatever we get first, the first product goes to the Lord. So before I write a check to any bill, before I write a check to, um, you know, to go out to eat, before I write a check to do this and do that, the first thing I do with my check, the first thing I do with my money is to use it To honor. The Lord. C. The tithe goes to the local church. Which in the New Testament provides the same function of the storehouse. In the Old Testament. The tithe goes to the local church. Which in the New Testament provides the same function. Of the storehouse in the Old Testament. The main job of the storehouse in the Old Testament. Was to help take care of the widows help take care of the orphans, help take care of people who are in need. In the New Testament, it changes from the storehouse to the church. The church is to help take care of the widows, to help take care of the orphans. I would also add in there single parents or military parents whose spouse is overseas, we are to take care of them. I would also say single parents, single moms, and single dads, do you know most single moms and single dads live below the poverty level? They try to raise kids? Would you not think that it's the church's responsibility to help take care of them? That's what the storehouse does. That's what the storehouse is to do. That's what we did a few weeks ago. Many of you helped in the gas buy down, and just the awesome things that took place there. It was a great time and hearing people talk on how we were able to bless them. Their tank was empty when it was able to give them some gas. There were some people who were just crying because they just did not know how they were going to get home or get to work because their tank was almost empty, and we gave them gas. That is awesome, and that's what the church is able to do because you give to the church. You give to the storehouse so we can help take care of the community and do those things. Also, it helps take care of the Levites. In the Old Testament, the Levites, they, they managed the storehouse. They managed the things that came in to make sure that it was... Dis- disputed properly. In the New Testament, the storehouse is the pastor. In the, in the country that we live in, it's the pastor. That's the staff here at Rocky River Church. We give to the church, and we help make sure that the money is managed properly so the kingdom of God can prosper, so people needs can be met, so that people can hear about the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. That's what the storehouse is. That's why you come and bring. Your offering's into the storehouse. Your tithe into the storehouse. Next is the offering. Offerings are different than the tithe. Offering offering are different than the tithes. In many cases, you hear tithes and offering in the same sentence. Uh, We're going to collect the tithes and offerings at the end of the service today, but we need to understand they're extremely different. Before you do anything, no matter how broke you are, Your tithe goes to the church. It's the first fruits. It's set aside to go to the church. Your offering is off any extra income. It is off the surplus. A lot of times people talk about the widow's mite, in which Jesus is talking about in the book of Mark, and they're standing in the temple, and they see these rich people coming in and giving their money and giving their money, and then a widow comes in, and she gives the last that she has. That is a rare Example, we are to give, we are to give, we are to give what we have. But in Scripture, an offering comes from the surplus. An offering is based on your surplus, not where you're going to starve. And so the widow, she gave, trusting in the Lord, and that's what she did. But a tithe comes off the first. An offering comes off the surplus. Maybe getting this tax day, everybody got your taxes done? Everyone, got to have the final extension? It's tax day. Some of you may get income tax back. And so that would be an example of a surplus. Some of you may get bonuses throughout the year. That would be an example of a surplus. And so that's where an offering would come from. And very rarely in the Bible is an offering giving is not given out of surplus. Never give. E, never give with the motive of having it your giving returned. Never give with the motive of having your giving returned. If you give, it will be given back to you. That is true. But we need to understand what giving is. In Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. We need to understand what blessing is. In the Hebrew language, what this originally was written in, we have to look at the word blessing, and blessing means BMW. Right? No. For me, my blessing would be a Chevrolet Avalanche. But that's not what it means. In the Hebrew language, blessing means peace. Blessing means peace. Who needs more peace in their life today? That no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how busy things are going, no matter how hectic things are, you need peace. I need peace. And you know, this is the only time in Malachi or in the whole Bible that God says to test him. Nowhere else does it say to test him. He is saying, test me in this. And I will open the floodgates, and I will pour blessings out on your life. I will pour peace out on your life. Back in the fall, Jimmy did a tithe challenge for 90 days. And some of you, for the very first time, committed to tithe your income. And you did it, and I got to have some conversations with you, and that conversations that we had were awesome. You were just in some crazy circumstances, and things weren't working out. But you tithed, and you believed in God, and all of a sudden, things started working out. Those circumstances smoothed over. You were unemployed and collecting unemployment checks, and you were still struggling and stuff, and, and you knew that you had to start tithing and give and tithe to the Lord, and you took that challenge, and you tithe, and all of a sudden, you got a job. And you, you decided to go ahead and, and, and do this and do that. You were struggling to pay your bills but you like, I need to tithe. I need to trust in God with my first fruits before I do anything else. I need to trust in God that my bills will be paid. You paid, you gave your tithe, and somehow you had money to pay your bills. These things do not happen on accident. When these things happen, they are, do not happen on accident. Because you trust in God, he worked in your favor. And open the storehouse to pour blessings into your life. Whether it was money or circumstances or jobs or unemployment, whatever it was, God will open the storehouse. That's what his word says. Why give? My third point, why give? Me and my brothers, we grew up in church. And we always watched my mom and dad model this for us. Every time the offering plate was passed, they would give. And so me and my brothers had that example for us in our life. And so we knew to give. We knew to trust God, to honor God with our money, because it was modeled before us from my mom and dad. Then as I grew older, I began, well, why, you know, why do we give? You know, I, I know that I'm supposed to, but why? Why should I give? Does God need our money? you think God needs our money? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You think he needs our money? Well, if God doesn't need my money, does he need my help? You think God needs my help? He created this world. He created this universe, so does God need my help? Well, I know it is. It's the church. The church needs my money. No. Jimmy's not here, so don't tell him this. Our accountant comes to the second service, and so I'll skip this part. The church doesn't need your money. The church does not need your money. What the church needs is people who walk closely with God, who are in love with God, who has a passion to serve God, and out of that relationship with God, the natural byproduct is giving. You give not because you have to, not because I'm told to every Sunday, not because Donnie Ice and I are standing up there telling me I've got to give, but you give. Because you want to. You give out of the love that you have for Christ. That's why we give. That's why we give, because we want to honor God. Why give? A, because we are designed in God's image. We are the happiest and most fulfilled when we are serving and we are giving. Psalms 139.13 says, For you, and it's talking about God, For you, God, created my most inner being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You knit me together. The Hebrew word is crochet. Have you ever seen a crochet blanket, the detail that goes into the crochet blanket? You knit me together. You crocheted me together in my mother's womb. Before I was born, you knew me. Before I was born, you put my DNA DNA together. You put my lungs, you put my organs, you put my blood, you put everything together in my mother's womb before I was born. God put his thumbprint in you his signature is all over your life you are created in the image of god we are created in the image of god in genesis 127 it said so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them when god made us he made us to be like him in his image in his likeness Psalms 139.14 tells us, For we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I know you can tell. I know you can see that I am a muscle man. See these canos? Right here, these muscles. Muscle man right here. I don't know why you're laughing. My wife calls me buffet man. I like to eat. But there was a time about two years ago, well, I would go to the gym. I'd get up early in the morning, about 4.30, and I'd go to the gym and work out. And I'd work out for a little while, and I'd come home, and I'd sit on the back porch, and I'd read my Bible. I mean, I just love it. In the summertime, in the mornings, right before the sun comes up, there's still just a nice ambiance. You know, the temperature's perfect. The birds are singing. It is nice. And so I'd love to sit on the back porch during that time before Courtney and Michael Dean gets up. And so one morning, I was sitting back there, and I'd leave the door open so I could hear, if Courtney or, or MD would get up. And I was sitting back there reading, and all of a sudden, I hear the door squeak to open up a little bit wider. Here comes Michael Dean. He's walking out there and carrying his little Mickey Mouse, and he comes up and sits on my lap. And it was just a great morning. And I'm like, oh, man, my quiet time is over. But he sits on my lap and lays his head on my shoulder. The birds are singing. I said, Michael Dean. The birds are singing. Good morning, Michael Dean. Good morning, Michael Dean. And Michael Dean says, no, they're not. Birds don't have lips. And I sat there to myself laughing because I thought it was funny. And he just laid there. It was a great moment. And for the first time in my life, I began to realize this verse. I knew it as a kid. It's the very first verse I memorized. Some of you may have memorized it. If you don't know, it's a great verse for you to memorize. And it's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If we were created in the image of God, and as we read this verse and understand this verse, we see that God gave. God is a giver. God loved us so much that he gave us his son. That's what we celebrated last weekend. That's why we had 988 people here at Rocky River Church over the whole weekend. That's why we baptized 32 people last weekend. That's why we had almost 40 people commit their life to Jesus Christ last weekend because God is a giver. And if we are creating the image of God and God's thumbprint is in my life and his signature is all over my DNA, then I need to be like Christ then I need to be like God. I need to be a giver. My last point, giving makes us more Christ-like and less selfish. Giving makes us more Christ-like and less selfish. Do you know who makes the best daddy? A less selfish person. Do you know who makes the best spouse? A less selfish person. Do you know who makes the best employer and the best employee a less selfish person? For us to be less selfish, we need to be more Christ-like, created in the image of God. And most of my message has been talking about giving, giving, giving money. But it's not all about money. Part of our relationship with Christ is giving grace. Because our God gave us grace, and we're creating the image of God, and we need to be givers of grace. Maybe there's someone in your life right now, as you're just struggling with and you're holding the grudge against, be a giver of grace. Maybe there's someone in your life they have done you wrong. Be a giver of grace. Of grace. Maybe you and your spouse are just not getting along. We're fussing, arguing all the time. Be a giver of grace. If we are to be made in the image of God, for us to become more Christ like, we need to be less selfish. More giving, trusting God more with our money. We need to be more giving of grace. I want to challenge you. If you are struggling and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you you never knew that God was a giver and he loves you so much that he wants to be in a relationship with you that he gave his one and only son for you and you want to experience that relationship, the best way to let me know is to fill out your connection card and put a B on there. And I will follow up with you this week. I will send you some information that will help you to understand the grace of God, the love of God better. If you're struggling with being a giver of money and of grace, on your connection card, put a G. That will help me to know to pray for you and to help you and send you some information as well. So I'm going to pray. The bands won't come forward. And Dylan's going to lead us in one more worship song. That will be a great time to respond on your connection card. Let's pray. God, you're an awesome God. And I thank you for the love that you have for us. I thank you that you gave your only son so that we can have a relationship with you. I pray if there's anyone in here today that is far from you that does not have a relationship with you, that they would accept your love, that they would accept your free gift of salvation. God, I pray for everyone else in here who is struggling with being a giver, who is holding on to their life, their money, their grace with a close fist. I pray that you'd help them to understand and show them ways that they could be a giver. I ask these things in your name. Amen.